Greetings, magnificent souls, to the Attract Health, Build Wealth podcast, where we have open and honest discussions about ourselves. This is your host, Lily Bewley, and I'm honored to have conversations here with thought leaders, visionaries, and healers, and even solo conversations with myself about things I am currently reflecting on. This is a place where we break down, break away, and break through our emotional trauma, allowing ourselves to attract health, build wealth, and live a peaceful life. We are tired of being sick and tired. We are tired, but we are not giving up. We know that there is something magnificent inside of us. And because we are fighting daily, hourly, and by the minute, fighting ourselves, our kids, our spouses, we have to do things differently. We have to break the cycle. We don't have a million chances. We have to be happy now. We have to find a way. So how do we do that? How is that possible? If you look around at what society is telling you, they tell you that what we're doing is impossible. Yet it's happening every single day. And it's happening through the practice and the love that we call awakening the magnificent soul. We are all magnificent souls. And these are our stories of healing. Today in episode 72, I welcome Andrea Owen to the show to talk about making some noise, speaking our minds, and owning our strengths. But before we get into the podcast, don't forget to let me know your thoughts about this episode. Any feedback you have or anything you would like me to cover on future podcasts at epiphanyvault.com. Remember, it is a safe place and I would welcome the discussion. Today, this episode is sponsored by the Healing Circle Patreon community that I have just released today. This community is safe and supportive and it's where you can get exclusive videos and video content for me, some tools as well. I will be um, throwing in there for certain tier memberships, monthly worksheets, downloads, and even a live group coaching call every month. So it's great uh, for you no matter how far along on your journey that you are, even if you're just starting out. This is definitely for you if you want to heal your anxiety, if you want more self-love, self-acceptance, and just a more joyous life in general. There are three different options to choose from, and I really can't wait to see you inside this community. So about my guest today, Andrea Owen. She is an author. She's a global speaker. She's a professional certified life coach. She helps high-achieving women maximize unshakable confidence and master resilience. She has taught hundreds of thousands of women tools and strategies to be able to empower themselves to live their most kick-ass life through speaking, her books, coaching, and her wildly popular podcast, which is where I found her, with over 3 million downloads. She's the proud author of two books, which have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. But her latest book that we talk about today is Make Some Noise, Speak Your Mind and Own Your Strength. It's coming out at the end of this month. It's in pre-order right now. Um, That's August 2021. Andrea is a certified professional co-active coach from the Coaches Training Institute, a professional certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, a She Recovers coach, as well as a certified Daring Way facilitator, which if you haven't heard of that, it's a modality based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown. Also, when she's not juggling her full-time coaching practice or writing books, Andrea is busy riding her Peloton, chasing her two school-aged children, are making out with her husband, Jason, who we talk about in this episode as well. 
She is also a retired roller derby player, watch out, having skated under the name Veronica Vane. I really know that you are going to enjoy this conversation today with Andrea Owen. Andrea, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me, Lily. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yes, totally. Uh, we were talking earlier and I said that I pretty much crushed your new book, which we'll talk all about called Make Some Noise. And the tagline on that is speak your mind and own your tr- own your strength. Mm-hmm. I say speak your truth a lot. So it comes up like that. We talk. A lot. I know. I, know. I even have to look at the book. I'm like, what is the subtitle again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking our truth, owning our strength, it's hella dope, no matter what mm-hmm. it is. Um, why this book? Why now? You know, books, depending on the author, you know, some people say like, I don't find books, they find me. And whoever said that mm. I, I bow down because that is exactly, um, excuse me, how it has been for me. It was brewing when I wrote my second book and I wrote my second book in 20, I wrote it in 2016. It came out in 2018. And so it was even brewing back then. Mm. And I think for many women, we had a bit of, um, you know, a revitalization or an awakening around 2016 and, you know, into 2017 with the Me Too movement. I know that was poignant for many women and and sometimes re-traumatizing for some. And in 2018, when we all watched um, the Kavanaugh hearings, depending on how you felt about it, it, it was difficult for some to watch. And throughout all of that, I was feeling this sort of pull from the universe about our culture and how we were raised. And I work in the women's empowerment field. And what I have come to notice over the last decade and a half is that the challenges that women come to me with, the perfectionism, the people-pleasing, the overachieving, the poor boundaries, the codependence, Mm -hmm. most of these stem from the culture that raised us. And I got tired of hearing women say, I feel like something's wrong with me. Why don't I have more self-confidence? And I'm in my forties now. Uh, I feel like every woman has it figured out except me. Why can't I get myself together? And my short answer is there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) We are a product of our culture and you didn't do anything wrong. Like we all you know, more or less were raised the same, you know, depending of course on your family of origin and your parents' values, et cetera. And also depending on your, you know, your class, your race, your sexual orientation, et cetera, and your generation, it's slightly different for Gen Z, millennial, Gen X, baby boomers, et cetera. But more or less, we all sort of had the same kind of box of conformity, if you will, about what it meant to be a good girl, what it meant to be a good woman. There's even research that shows Um, you know, Pew, Pew research center did some research in 2016, where they asked Americans, which, which virtues do you value more in men versus women? And it sadly won't surprise you words like powerful were were rated very positive for men Mm -hmm. and negatively for women. And it was like shockingly on words like ambitious and leadership, same results. And this was recent research wasn't done in 1950. It was, it was recent. So I, to, to make a long story short, <laughs> I wrote this book because I realized that in the women's empowerment space, we weren't talking enough about the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is our, is the culture that raised us. And that's what I wanted to write about. Mm, yeah. Yes. On everything that you just said, <laughs> I call it my cookie cutter life, like, um, go to school, get a degree, 
um, look a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, have a certain weight, have a relationship, get married or whatever it is. And again, different for different people in different ways. But I think, yeah, the realization of, hey, maybe that's not for me. Like, where mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. For me, I reached a point of just like desperate unhappiness and realizing yeah. like that cookie cutter, cutter life wasn't for me, but I also didn't know how to make some noise or how to take up space right. because I hadn't used the, I, I, those were skills that I had never really learned. Like I've learned to do a lot of things like make somebody like me or be happy and funny all the time. <laughs> We learn that. Yes. Yeah. Or have like a banging resume, you know, but mm-hmm. I never really ha- learned inter- internally um, just the importance of, of that type of thing for sure. Yeah. It's tricky. And like, and I, and I, this is also not to say that men don't have their problems. They do. I think our culture right. really screws them over as well, which is another conversation for another time. It's, it's another book. People have written books about that. Women's challenges are unique. And, and, and I'm not saying that it's bad to be polite and quiet and accommodating and selfless. They're not. It's just like, when does that cross the line into making you make decisions that actually Mm -hmm. aren't for you? They're for other people. When does that have you move away from your values and the woman that you actually want to be? And those are some of the many questions I ask over 250 questions in this book. And I just want women to get very curious about their behaviors. Why, what was modeled for you? What do you really want? Where are you playing small in your life? I mean, this isn't, I don't care if you're an activist or a feminist or like, that's great if you are, but that's, that's not what this is about. This is Mm -hmm. about each individual woman's life. And are you living it on your own terms and what makes you uniquely happy? Right. And empowered and like be fulfilled. Like we deserve to be fulfilled. Everyone deserves to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about the, so I love the, at the end of each chapter you did, you added this, this process of what you call unlearning or unlearning, learn, um, super amazing process. It, it helped me get, like you're saying really clear, at least start to get curious on, um, like a lot of people, I feel like I had these frustrations, but I didn't have these types of tools to kind of understand what they meant to me, how they came about. And then also what to do about going forward about, like, I feel like making noise sometimes is like stirring up some stuff inside us and to un- like understanding, like awareness is awesome, but also understanding like, okay, like I have the power too mm-hmm. to make changes. Can you talk a little bit about your, the unlearning process that you Yeah, use? I'm happy to, cause I mean, who doesn't love a good step-by-step process For real. <laughs> For real. and I, I thought about what to call it and what it came down to was women's empowerment books or just self-help books in general typically teach you, or at least I hope they do. They teach you tools that you can try to use and implement in your life, hopefully for the better. But this was different because we've already learned ways to be and, you know, more or less coping mechanisms and, and how to show up in the world. And a lot of times it's not, it's not working and we don't like it anymore. It feels inauthentic or we want to be a different way. So we have to essentially unlearn what we've been taught so we can learn a new way of being one that's more in alignment with the woman that we want to be. And so there's four steps in, in every, at the end of each chapter. And the first step is always notice because you, you have to name it to tame it. And Mm -hmm. I just invite people to notice where you're not 
um, making noise in your life? Where are you not taking up space with your body? Where are you not taking up space with your voice? Where are you really struggling with your self-confidence? Like what is actually happening? The second step is to get curious because I don't know about you, but I really like dichotomous thinking. Like it's black or white, it's yes or no, it's good or bad. And that's not how the real world works. And that can really get in the way of a lot Mm -hmm. of things. So I invite the reader to just simply get curious. What was modeled for you growing up in terms of boundaries? Um, what did your mom like gender roles? Like, did you grow up in a traditional house where maybe both of your parents worked, but your mom did the majority of the work and, Mm. you know, and I know it's not like that in every family, but just, and it's not to say like either one is good or bad. Just, just what, what was going on? What is it? Paint a picture. Yeah. Get curious. And then the third step is self-compassion because what can happen sometimes when we get curious is we start to beat ourselves up. And we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, I have so much work to do. I'm never going to get better. So-and-so, you know, is so much more resilient than I am. Blah, 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 BS, 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 words, words, (laughs) words. And my invitation is self-compassion. I want to caveat this by saying, I understand how difficult that can be. If you've been speaking to yourself negatively, it might feel like a foreign planet, not even a foreign language, like (laughs) a different planet. So I do (laughs) offer... Um, help in that and like where to start. If self-compassion is difficult for me, you're going to have to constantly circle back to it. Excuse me. And the last step is to keep the momentum. And that is essentially that I don't want the reader to just read about it and then put the book away and then they're right back to where they started. Mm -hmm. And then they sometimes feel worse about themselves. So an invitation might be like, have a conversation with your girlfriends. Like when you go to brunch, mentioned that you were listening to this book on, on audio and the author posed this question. And it really made you think like, what do you think about that? Or, or what was modeled for you growing up and just have a conversation, or maybe it's with your partner or your sister or whomever, and, or journaling. It's also part of keeping the momentum just so you continue the conversation with yourself and with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All of that. So many things that, that have popped in my mind too. I'm <laughs> sure. I, know I said a lot. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so good. Um, this, I mean, it's, I feel like the, the trauma surrounding, like you're talking about self-compassion um, and also that idea of momentum. It's so imp- like just in my healing and all of my listeners have been with me, like I told you before, like from the get, when I just started out, like reading a definition of codependency on the podcast, you know, like way, you know, back in the day, but, mm-hmm. um, but the, it's just like the journey of, I feel like self, like self-empowerment or, or personal development is just, it's a journey, like it's a growth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been there. This is why I'm talking about that it is is that the black and white thinking can really get to you, especially if we're in that trauma zone and just the process of being aware, like just the way that you laid it out and being aware and noticing, and then really processing that with momentum and finding how you can have supportive people, let's just say (laughs) in your life to help you reflect and like people that, that love you enough to like, just to be there in that space, because at least for me, like taking up that space, I had no idea that that was even possible. Like the only way that I could take up space was like, like being a tool for somebody else or making somebody else happy or like, yeah, it just gets really deep. But that process is so dope. 
It's interesting that you mentioned that because for, I think everyone might have their own definition. Like when we throw out the term, take up space, like, what is mm. that? What does that mean to you? And, and I, I dive into this more when I talk about power and which might be my next book. And I just keep saying that out loud because then it's going to be, you know, it's going to float down. It's, it keeps tapping me on the shoulder, <laughs> but I wrote a small section in the, the money chapter about power, because like, that's another word I love to throw out and just what's your opinion on it? Like what comes up for you? Do you, mm-hmm. do you want more of it? Do you think of just like men that abuse their power? Do you think of women yes. who abuse their power? Like what, what happens again, getting curious. But when I think of taking up space, like if you would have asked me that 20 years ago, I would have thought, oh, that's the part of me that is loud and aggressive and yells and is confrontational. Nobody likes that side of me. I don't really like that side of me, even though I can access it very easy. Um, sometimes it's how I get things done. It get what I want in other words, <laughs> but it's not very healthy, but right. there's other ways, but I didn't know that before. I thought like, that's what it meant. And that's not what I mean when I'm talking about making noise, it's not literal mm-hmm. noise. I mean, if that's what you want it to be, then more power to you, but it's about what does that mean for you specifically? Mm, yes. So good. And y'all that chapter on money, like those questions that you posed, I'm still working through those and same girl. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I again, is, did I just say that it's a process and a journey? Like I'm going to be on that road, I think for a minute, but, um, yeah, th- the money stuff has really been coming up for me lately with my development and my growth. Um, but all of those introspective questions, they like, whew, shed so much light in there at, you know, like my past has been riddled with like financial abuse and stuff like that. And it's been, um, it's been interesting, you know, as, as the listeners know, and as I told you, as I start my, my new business and going into like, into doing coaching full-time, it's like, yeah, those were really impactful for me. So thank you. Yeah. Like one of the reasons I focused, I think so much on curiosity and asked so many questions in this book was sort of organic because at the beginning of 2020, I, I hired a new therapist to take me through some much needed um, somatic trauma therapy. Mm-hmm. And she said something in one of our very first sessions, she said, and I wrote it down on some piece of paper. I don't know where it is, but something Somewhere. to the effect of humans are um, just a pile of unconscious reactions walking around. And it struck me so much because I thought, you know, when we get to a certain age, I'm 46. And, and I'm like, I have a lot of information that's been Mm -hmm. stored, (laughs) some great, some not so great that is causing me to think a certain way, to believe certain things and to behave a certain way. The only way to change the behaviors, thoughts, and beliefs that I don't like is to get curious about them, heal some of them that were actually yep. traumatic and keep healing from that. Cause I don't think it's, it's a one and done thing and be really nice to myself along the way, because I can, I personally, I can tend to be pretty, pretty tough on myself and the people around me. So self-compassion, just a side note is something I've really had to lean into mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Do you have any tips? That you can offer or self-compassion specifically yeah, self- or something yeah. else. Just self-compassion. I'm just kind of wondering, you know, I have so many. Yeah. Well, yeah. first and foremost, I think the the best teacher for that is is hands down Kristen Neff. So she's a researcher at the okay. University of Austin, I believe. Um, 
University of Texas in Austin. And she's been studying, she did her PhD work on self-compassion. She wrote a book on it. That's fantastic. And her website, I believe is self-compassion.org if I'm correct. But um, I've learned a lot of things through her and also just trial and error, but there's, Mm -hmm. there's the, the aspect of, which is more or less cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's learning how to speak to yourself in a different matter. And if you are someone who struggles with chronic anxiety, this can be, it's a, it's an extra layer of complicated. I'll just say that (laughs) (laughs) Um, it can be challenging, but there's that aspect. And then there's the, also just like the actual self-care measures. And so that's what I want to dive into a little bit more for me. I'll give you an example. So self-compassion is when I have an especially difficult therapy session, which all of them were, (laughs) For real. Yeah. I used to, you know, when I first started making the appointments with her, I would, and it was virtual because it was during COVID. I would book her on zoom. And then I would have like a couple clients afterwards. I realized very quickly I could not do that. And so I had to like book out the rest of the day. And, um, there were some sessions that I had with her where I was wrecked the rest of the day. I had to get a blanket and my dog and get in bed and just didn't want to talk to anyone. And to me, that was self-compassion. It is also self-care, but it's self-compassion because I was essentially mothering myself. Mm -hmm. I was nurturing myself. I was listening to my body because my body was saying, we are releasing some energy here that's been stuck for a decade and a half. And we're going to need a minute. Like you need to take a beat. Please lay down. Please snuggle with the dog. Please let your husband hug you. And before, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, I have the whole afternoon open, you know, like mm-hmm. I need to, I need to yeah. get some like, stuff what can done. I, I fit in, right. I need to write some social media posts or, or I need to write about this experience to p- publish it as a blog post. Like, no, I, I had to mother myself. And I, I, I don't think that that term works for everyone. Um, but it can work for some where you think about if you were looking at yourself as like a four-year-old child, yes. what would you need? in that moment? Would you need a bath? Would you need a nap? Would you need a Slurpee? Like, what is it like a hug, um, you know, to be told that everything's going to be okay. Like, what is it that you need? And I think sometimes when we can look at that perspective, and I know that can be hard for some people, especially who experienced, um, any kind of trauma in their childhood, but learning how to nurture and mother yourself can really, not just help you with your self-compassion and self-care, but, but truly heal some wounds that you might not have even known were there. Yeah. Yeah. So deep, so deep, right? Sometimes. Yeah. So deep. (laughs) I mean, you know, in my, in my healing, that's, I mean, I did that yesterday, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, I I'm aware enough now in my healing and, and I will say it's so interesting because my negative self-talk and my inner critic, you know, for, decades, you know, was, was really loud. Right. And mm-hmm. for some, you know, anxiety, it's amazing. I amaze myself sometimes about how well I operated in that anxious zone, but it was very unhealthy, right? Like the way that I felt and obviously my emotions and my connection with the world and myself and everything like that. But, um, it's like, it's amazing how, like when you start to practice this and maybe little bits and pieces of self-compassion, you throw it in, it really becomes second nature. Like you really, mm-hmm. that's at least that's the growth that, that I've experienced I is, agree that, with that. is that 
um, now, like it's almost automatic when I start to feel myself kind of drifting away from like my present moment or, um, you know, feeling aligned or whatever. I'm like, okay, like there's something inside of me that needs some love. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, I'm just going to assume that my listeners are the same way because they've been with me for a minute, but, um, you know, my actual mom can't really give me that nurturance and that's sad, but it's still okay. Right. So there it's like, I can't go on in my life anymore. Not having that, like you're saying that mothering that, you know, there's inner child work and internal family systems and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, that piece that you're talking about is just so, so relevant is like, well, how would you treat your best friend or how would you treat your four-year-old child or, um, and treat yourself that way, you know? Yeah. 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 And for those people that don't have children, like how would you treat your dog? Because like, <laughs> for real, we often love those fur babies as much as we would a child. And, you know, people go to the ends of the earth for their pets. For real. Yeah. And I like, this is, I was actually talking to a client about this this morning. Is that like my relationship with my dog is even completely changed. Like, it's so funny. It's so funny. Like when she wants to play, I'm like, I, my whole body turns towards her, you know, instead of just like, you know, it's so weird. This is sounds so weird, but like, instead of like, Oh, I don't have time for you. It's like, okay, you want to play, drop everything and play. And what that does, it gives like, there's, I don't know. It's just a different level of love. And that's so interesting to me. That says that you're becoming more attentive to their needs. And then that also says that you're most likely becoming more attentive to your own needs as well and listening to it and honoring it. Yeah. Instead of ignoring it. Well, yeah. And talking like about my mom, I remember past traumas of her just not having enough time, right? Like yeah. doing, th- doing that, you know, like, oh, I can't, I'm doing something else. Like, you know, she had obviously her shit going on, you mm-hmm. know, and stuff. And that, that is what it is. But I love that self-compassion piece. Thank you so much for sharing. It's so dope. Yeah. So it's dope. interesting. And, you know, I was, this is sort of a side note, but it's, it's so fascinating to hear you talk about it. And I hope, I hope you don't mind me kind of circling around to this. And I was Please. thinking lately about how, um, how old are you? Are you a Gen Xer or are you a millennial? 40, whatever that is. Okay. So you're, <laughs> you're on the cusp. You're like a Zenial, like you're an elder millennial, I think, but I, so I'm a Gen Xer. I'm 46. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know if I know anyone. I, I think I could probably count on two hands. How many people I know who don't have anxiety. I'm like, what is going on like with, with the Gen yes. Xers and the millennials and the yes. Gen Zs, but it doesn't seem to be a thing for baby boomers. And I was just getting curious about it. And, and I just, I wonder if, you know, those generations, this, I don't wonder, like, I know that this is true. Like they didn't talk about problems and, um, feelings and things like that. And, and depending on your age, like these are the people that raised us and mm-hmm. they did their best. They mm-hmm. were not raised with the tools either. And so they raised us how they were raised. And I do think that Gen X, a large part of Gen X, I'm, I'm making a sweeping generalization here, but a large part of Gen X and especially millennials said no more, like we're not playing this anymore. We're going to go to therapy. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about it. And personally, I was a child and felt that way. Like I, people always told me like, Andrea, you're the one who would point out that the emperor was naked. And for a long time, I didn't know what that was. It's like a folk tale where like there's a naked emperor, but everyone is supposed to act like he has clothes on. And there's like the one person who's like, but he doesn't have any clothes on. Yeah. Like, that was I remember me, that. Always. Yeah. I'm like, I see something going on and I'm going <laughs> to talk about it. And I, I think that there are some people who just don't have a very high tolerance for not talking about it. And so 
then comes in the anxiety and, and we're just all sort of walking around feeling like a raw nerve. And the Mm -hmm. reason that I bring this up is because I think self-compassion like came last, like, yes, we started talking about anxiety and we started talking about our feelings and our problems, but self-compassion is like way back there. And like, I want to ring it in, you know, Mm -hmm. and lasso it in and just say like, no, 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 no. Self-compassion needs to be as much a part of the conversation as anxiety is because they are they need to be sisters. They yes. need to be sisters. And we need to learn how to have self-compassion as well as learn to combat our anxiety. Totally. totally. I'll die on that hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. I'll die with you. Mm-hmm. Right beside you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. And yeah. Totally new relationship with anxiety. Like for me now, anxiety is like, something's happening. Like some, there's some kind of need that's not being met. And so that's, I feel like that's the healing, like the healing in and of itself, like is just that, that check on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's amazing how, how people, like, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. I have a different experience. So mine sometimes is like that. And I love those moments where it's like, okay, I recognize it and something, something's going on. Um, so day before yesterday, Monday, I, and these are mm, few and far between, thank goodness, but I have anxiety show up for absolutely no reason. (laughs) Like just, and there's (laughs) nothing going on. There's no outside stressors. And I've just learned, and this is the way I explain it to my husband because he does not struggle with this. I said, it's (laughs) like if one of our parents just came over unannounced (laughs) and we're like, oh, you're here and you didn't tell me you were coming and there's like no birthdays or anything. Like there's no reason for you to be here, but Mm. yes, you can come in and just like stay the day. And I'm going to do whatever I can to just have you be here. But I would really appreciate it if you left tomorrow. And yeah. they always do. That's because I got the word surrender tattooed on my arm, <laughs> like partly for that reason, because the more I try to push out and squelch the anxiety, the louder it gets. Yes. So I'm just like, all right, come in, sit down. Yeah. Ooh, I'm not going to good- get you anything to drink, <laughs> but you can stay for the day. Totally. And actually, this is a great segue into the next um, kind of thing that I really loved about your book. And yeah, I love that analogy is amazing for sure, because the more that we fight it, the harder it's going to be. And it's a street um, fight. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, no good. Um, The chapter you did about start taking up space Mm -hmm. with your own needs. And we talked a little bit about, you know, that, but in that protect that chapter's rang true for me. and was really impactful for me. Um, can you chat like where that came from? And I also have a follow-up question to that, but I just kind of want to, um, yeah, love to hear about that. Well, there's some overlap. I wrote two separate chapters. There's one called take up space. And then there's one called ask for everything you want. And, um, but again, there's overlap. So you want to talk about asking for everything you want? Yeah, that would be great. Okay. So, um, there's a quote in the book that I want to spray paint on my house, but my husband won't let me, um, (laughs) your empowerment begins with asking for everything you want women's empowerment begins with asking for everything they Mm. want. Um, mostly because we don't, because we're taught not to, Mm. we're taught if you do, then you're opportunistic, you're greedy, you are too aggressive, you're too bossy. And again, so I'm asking people to like, get curious when I tell you to ask for everything you want, what do you think what happens in your body? Or if you think of a woman who asks for everything that she wants, do you judge her? Like, what are your Mm. assumptions about her? Um, we tend to have shame triggers 
And when I say we, I mean, people who identify as women, we have shame triggers around being needy. It's another reason we don't ask for what we want. And so it's, it's all messed up. (laughs) So, you know, there's, um, thanks for validating that (laughs) struggle is real. It sure is. So again, like I am, I'm asking the end goal of course would be for women to ask for what they want. But before that we have to dig in and get curious as to why we're not asking. That's more important than than me just like pushing you into the deep end and saying, go and set that boundary, go and ask for a raise, go tell your partner you want more balance with the chores. Like, of course that's important, but I want people to get clear on why are you not asking? What are you Mm. afraid might happen? Mm. Um, Why are you accepting crumbs? And these fears are valid. They're completely valuable. I'm not going to say that they're not, I'm not going to be one of those personal development people. It's like, Oh, fear doesn't exist. It's like, it sure as shit does. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes there are consequences. There are real consequences. Yeah. So, um, but sometimes the fear is BS. Truth. Truth. Yeah. yeah. Not always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Family of origin stuff comes up for me with that a lot. Totally. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, um, I also invite people to look at the media and like, what did you grow up thinking of, of women who did ask for everything that they wanted? I mean, even like, look at sex in the city the one woman who does ask for everything that she wanted was who? I don't know. Samantha. <laughs> Are you, do, you, do you not know the characters? No, please go because I'm sure okay. everybody else does tell me. I don't even have so, a TV. I'm like a weird. So, so Samantha was the one character out of the four of them who was, she was the oldest and she was the most empowered. Um, everybody had their hangups, but she had the least of them. And she absolutely asked for everything she wanted. And she was, to a degree vilified, you know, and, and called a slut and they poked fun at, they still poked fun at her, Mm. um, for being how she was. And I, I just, I invite people to look at characters like that, who, um, like what was that movie? The devil wears Prada, um, um, Miranda Priestly was Glenn Close's character and she was incredibly successful and wealthy mm-hmm. and she was terribly mean. Um, so it's like, these are the role models that we have to look up to. Like, Oh yeah. And in your book, you meant, sorry to, yeah. You mentioned Cruella DeVille. Okay. Yeah. Cruella DeVille. Yeah. yeah she was like my, the first woman that I ever knew who was self-made, you know, and she was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> And this matters. This matters because it seeps into our unconscious and we understand that we don't want to be like that. Like, no, we are going to be the opposite. So we are not going to ask for what we want. We're going to take up as little space as possible. We are going to fit into this box. And like, that's, that's what I want people to just question. Yeah. And that feels, yeah, it feels icky. You're right. Yeah. Like just doesn't feel good. Uncomfortable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for real. Um, so that chapter, like I said, it was hella dope, really good. What came up for me in my development and what I'm learning how to do still, and I think it's going to be, you know, it's a, it's a longer term process and journey, um, is how do we know what we want? Like for for me, that was a really hard process of, of, of healing. And I get stuff. excited and I hit my yeah, microphone yeah. for those of you that can't see. Us. Yes. She just like slammed her hand on the table and ready, she, re- ready. she ready to Let's answer finish. this question. 
Um, but for me, it was such like, again, like knowing that that was wrong, knowing that this is like, I know what I don't want, but how do I know what I do want? And mm-hmm. I feel like that, like in my like coming home process back to myself was such a big, like awakening and gap that I had to, to figure out and navigate. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, you, you pointed to it. Exactly. You, you walked right into it. And I love that. Like it is so common for women to not know what they want. I, I learned that fairly early on. And I was doing a workshop. This was probably like in my first year of my practice. And it was a, it was like a vision board workshop. It was a baby coach. And I, I took these <laughs> women through a visualization and I'm like, you know, having them visualize what it was that they wanted. And a few of them came up to me and were like, and I think these were only the ones that were brave enough to ask me. And they said, right. I have no idea. I have no idea. And this was a group of mostly moms of young children. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And so I started doing some digging. And what I have found now is that it is easier to start with the, what do you don't want? What do you want less Mm. of in your life? What do you, what do you, what do you not want anymore? Like it could be stress. It could be um, having to make so many decisions for everyone. It could be, um, I don't want to be working paycheck to paycheck, et cetera. So list it all out. And sometimes what you do want is just the opposite of that. It's super easy, but sometimes it's a little bit different. And I think that also we have been taught, you know, just like side note, we've been taught to tend to everyone else's needs before our own. It's another reason why it's common to not know what Mm -hmm. it is that we want. And just, you know, an additional side note is even things like how we dress and how we put ourselves out there into the world has typically been to attract the male. to to attract a man. And then like, has anyone ever asked us like, is that really how you want to dress? Is that how you want to wear your hair? Is that how you want to do your makeup? Like what if we, did you see the, um, the wonder woman movies, the, the latest ones? Yeah. I just, okay. So like they live on like this land where it's just women. And I'm like, where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm happily married. I am happily married. I have a, I have a great man who like looks at his stuff and like goes to therapy and everything. But I'm like, can you imagine just like not having to worry about (laughs) what men think for like a week? Like, Mm -mm. would I dress differently? Mm. Would I, um, would I act differently? Would I speak up more? Would I feel mm-hmm. more comfortable saying certain things or doing certain things? And, and again, this is not to blame and shame men. I'm not, I'm, I'm making a joke, but I, I invite every listener just to think about that because it might point to something right. that deep down is like one of your deepest desires. Yeah, totally. And what you're saying too. And also I want to get into why this book may be for men. Cause I know that I do mm-hmm. have a pretty good split in this. So I do want to create a little bit of space for that too. Yeah. I can, I can talk about that. Yeah, totally. Um, the thing about what you're saying and about the journey of like, of trying to determine what it is that you do want also for me, it's assessing and like being curious is what you're saying with the come from, because again, the the come from, um, like, (laughs) I remember the last, like you're talking about vision board. The last vision board I did is when I was with, um, my, unhealthy learning relationship. I had just gotten with him for the last time after some really hard shit, you know, like calling the cops on him, getting a restraining order. I still got back together with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm good now, but, (laughs) but, um, my last vision board I did, I put on there an RV because I just wanted to escape. I wanted to go off and escape, you know, which is, which is great, you know, but 
Um, I also think like that curiosity piece that you're, that you're saying is, is important too. And in this conversation, if someone is not sure about, well, I don't know, you know, like, is it hard for me to choose where to go to dinner? Yeah, maybe. Well, where do you not want to go? And maybe like trying to like do those little steps, but, um, yeah, the come from, I think looking at that and like, is this something that I want or is this something that somebody is telling me? I think, what is it um, that you put in your book? Is it truth or is it conditioning? Is it your conditioning and, or what is your conditioning versus what is your truth? Yeah. That's something that you uh, pointed out um, in words, what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great yeah. question for men too. That's a conversation I have with my husband. We've been having yeah. some really candid talks about that, you know, about his conditioning, like what has, what has our culture and society or your family of origin or your brothers or your guy friends, like what, what has been sort of propped up for you as to what it means to quote unquote, be a man. Mm -hmm. And is that really your truth? I know, mm -hmm. I know my dad, you know, he passed away in 2016, but my dad was born in 1936. That was a long time ago and was a very sensitive person with lots of feelings and, um, I think there was also some neurodiversity that was undiagnosed, but it was hard for him to grow up as a sensitive person, more specifically a sensitive man. And, you know, the culture was not welcoming to that. So you know, that's an invitation I have for everyone, mm -hmm. because again, like our culture in many ways, screws us all over and men for sure have their set of challenges that are incredibly unfair and make it very difficult for them to be their authentic self and have these beautiful, connected, nurturing relationships with all genders, not just, mm -hmm. you know, women in their life, if they're heterosexual, but, um, yeah, I know I can go off on a tangent on this, but yes. What is your yeah. conditioning versus what is your truth is the question yeah. that I bring up a few times in the book. Yeah. And I love that because it is kind of a reframe on just, I mean, it's got, it's so powerful really to, like mm -hmm. to start to look at, at yourself in that way. And for just, sure. And to realize that like, it's okay to not be directed outwards, you know, like come in, come home, you know, <laughs> type of thing. It's yeah. And it can be awkward and scary. You know, I say that like from the get go, like this is not going to be this is not surface level personal development. Like if you want to set goals, like there are plenty of books for that, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I'm for all real. for big audacious goals, but yes. yeah, not this book. Yeah. And mindset, which is another, that's mm -hmm. another podcast, another conversation. Um, yeah. For real. <laughs> um, so yeah, like great segue into, uh, I do want to, to, um, the men out there to understand that this book is not just for women make some noise. Mm -hmm. How do you think that this can help men in their personal development? I love getting DMS from men who are like, my wife bought your book and I listened to it in the car with her, or, you know, I picked up your book at Barnes and Noble. And I, and I know that you write mostly for women, but I really liked it. Like that warms my heart so much. I have a daughter mm -hmm. and a son and it, and it means so much to me that, um, that my work impacts, you know, men, women, non-binary folks. So I, I think there's a couple of things, um, men who read this book, will definitely get an insight on what the experience of women is like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, like I mentioned my husband a few times, like we've come a long way in him starting to understand what it means um, to walk through life as a woman. And I really want to understand his point of view too. Totally. It allows you to be closer to those people in your life. And that's what I want for men who, who read this book, who can understand women a little bit more, as well as 
for sure, there are men who could use some help with self-confidence or taking up space in their life or looking at their money stuff or looking at our culture and, and how it's done them dirty. Like for sure. I, but the examples that I give in there are for women. And it's just because it's, it's, I have nothing against men. I love them so much. <laughs> and um, it's just my, my practice kind of organically went towards women. And so that's that I wrote, I write books specifically for them, but yeah, men for sure too. Yeah. Yeah. So all you men out there, if you're open to some introspection, this should be a yeah. good, a good tool to do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you can check out like samples on Amazon. I think Amazon lets you like look at a few pages so you can read and just see if you resonate with my voice and um, like how yeah. I write and before you make the commitment. Yeah, totally. Speaking of Amazon, um, we're going to close it up right now a little bit, but you are in pre-order right now, correct? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So the book drops August 31st, 2021 and, um, everywhere ebook. And it's also, will be in bookstores. If you feel safe enough to, to go out into bookstore, poor bookstores and oh, it's yeah. on audible as well. And there's also, because I asked so many questions in the book, I wanted people to have a workbook, but I knew that if I went through my publisher, it was going to be expensive and, and take a long time. And I'm like, Oh, I just want people to like have it. So we made a workbook and it's like 60 something pages and it's fillable online. If you don't want to print it out, um, it's totally free if you buy Super a copy cool. of the book. So yeah. andreaowen.com slash noise and people can grab it. Yeah. And I'll add that in the comments as well. And then where can um, people find you to follow your journey and all the, the next book that may or may not be about power probably <laughs> um, thank uh, you for asking yeah <laughs> it's andreaowen.com and then i have a podcast that's called make some noise easy to remember because it's the same name as my book and then i'm on um social media at hey andrea owen cool awesome it's been so awesome connecting with you here um obviously like i i am um your work is very imp impactful for me and i um i'm glad that i can introduce you to my audience Thank you. I feel like I could talk to you all day. We didn't even get Seriously. into like trauma therapy and codependence. And like all that stuff. <laughs> we got just, just surface level, surface level, but yeah, yes. we got to start somewhere, yeah. but thank yeah. you for having me. And I appreciate your listeners for sticking with us through this. Awesome. My pleasure.